Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, and thank you for joining us for Three Women, Three Ways. We're the show that talks about uh, women in the news, violence against women, uh, discrimination against women, you name it. We're a women's program, and uh, we're also for men. We get a lot of response from men, for which I am uh, very pleased. Today, we're going to be tackling an issue that I find fascinating. Now, I'm on the West Coast, and I don't think we've had much publicity about this particular case. And um, I, I, think that, I think that we should have on the West Coast. Um, right now, I have with me Rita Henley Jensen. She's the founder of Women's E-News, which, by the way, if you don't go to that, you really should. It's very, very um, informative, very interesting. She's a former senior writer for the National Law Journal, and she's a columnist for the New York Times Syndicate, and uh, she has more than 30 years of experience in journalism and uh, an armload of awards, including uh, Columbia University Graduate School of Journalism Alumni Award, which is pretty prestigious. She is also a survivor of domestic violence and a former welfare mother who got her degrees from Ohio State University and Columbia Graduate School of Journalism. Rita's been with us before. She's extremely knowledgeable, and we are very happy to have you here again, Rita. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for inviting me back. I'm, yeah. I'm glad uh, I didn't offend you before. <laughs> no, no. I got invited back. This is what it's all about, you know, discussion. Let's discuss these things. Learn what we can. Yes. Uh, and it's okay if we disagree on something. Um, right now I'm going to give out our phone number because I have a feeling people are going to want to jump in on this. 646-378-0430. Again, you can call in and join us. 646-378-0430. Now I'll tell you what this mysterious topic is about. Back when everybody was seeing publicity about the Trayvon Martin, George Zimmerman case, there was another case that was going on. And this case was with a uh, 29-year-old at the time, a uh, black woman in Florida, same prosecutor uh, or overseeing prosecutor as the um, George Zimmerman case. But this case had a very, very different outcome. In a nutshell, uh, Marissa Alexander um, got a restraining order against her husband, and he came back. And so she had a legally registered handgun. She got her handgun, and she fired a warning shot into the ceiling. And she was arrested, and she was sentenced to 20 years in prison. Now, mind you, nobody was hurt, but she was sentenced to 20 years in prison for that act. And I find that appalling. How can that be, Rita? Um, you know, you got me. Uh, I think uh, <laughs> I read a little bit more, and one of her defenses, she had two defenses. One, the Florida, and this, again, this is in the same jurisdiction as the Trayvon Martin case. Uh, one, the stand your ground law. And the second defense was self-defense. I mean, she thought the man was going to kill her. Mm-hmm. So... I would say, with more good judgment than I would have in this situation, she got the gun and shot it in, into the air. First of all, who called? Shot. Yeah. And you know, like, who? All right. You don't want to so come then, near me. Yeah, don't come near me. I can yeah. protect myself. Yeah. Right. So it's a little sketchy what happened afterwards, but there's all this discretion throughout the whole process. One. The cops, when they came, why did they arrest her for shooting a warning shot? And why wasn't the husband arrested? Or, or, we don't know that. Violation order. The, the guy who violated his protection order, yeah. Yeah. Wait a minute. How did, how did that happen? Right? Yeah, then, exactly. 
how did that, how did this even what were you people thinking <laughs> right <laughs> and then then the discretion so then the the cops turn it over to the the prosecutor and you know uh, a prosecutor has discretion about which cases to bring or not bring mhm somehow a prosecutor decided that this was appropriate to charge her with felonies. What? <laughs> and again, the overseeing prosecutor, now not the one that showed up in court, but the overseeing right. prosecutor, same one that was reviewing the Trayvon Martin case and the George Zimmerman case. And, right. um, you know, same woman. And she, um, I read a quote from her that she absolutely thinks this is a, a legitimate and good um, prosecution, that she thinks that this is correct, the the action that was taken was correct, and um, she she feels good about it. Well, um, I, I, what can I say? <laughs> um, that's, that just, you know, takes your breath away. I mean, there different situations, right? Uh, yeah. She knew who her assailant was. But if this prosecutor looked up who, typically, do black women, and in fact, all women, need to be afraid of? Yeah. Not strangers, but the the people we have close relationships, particularly with men, that we yeah. have close relationships. That's who is really responsible for much of the violent deaths of women in general across the world, in the United States, in Florida, and women of color in particular. So what, this woman had every reasonable ground to uh, to be terrified. Not like that, the man had assaulted her before. Yeah, and, and he actually admitted he had five uh, uh, women, who, he had children with five different women. And well, that's not that a crime, abused. but it's not a character reference admitted, either. He admitted <laughs> that he had abused each of the five women. He admitted it. Um, I feel so, like saying, I mean, what's your next question? I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah. what? Yeah, exactly. So he admitted that he um, uh, was an abuser. He had, There was no dispute that he was there in her uh, her home. And uh, it was just, um, it was amazing. Now, in all fairness, I did some research that indicated that there are some questions, okay, uh, on which they they chose to prosecute. One is, um, she said that she was afraid of him, and yet she went out to her uh, to the garage to get her gun out of her car, and then returned to the kitchen. Instead of yes. just leaving. Well, and uh, prosecutors yeah. saw that as a key thing. Oh, well, yeah. We had a similar case in New York where a woman by the name of Barbara was married to a police officer and he had abused her, you know, terribly during 25 years of marriage. And one morning she became convinced that this was it. He had threatened to kill her. And those who study domestic violence say that it it is that it grows in severity, and that many battered women know that this is the moment. He's been threatening to kill me for however long, but something is, has changed and it's become more extreme. So he's shaving and he has his gun by the bathroom mirror, and she goes upstairs and gets the other gun his other gun, and comes downstairs and shoots him. Well, this is all, yeah, I'll just say that advocates for women's rights have argued persuasively that she had a reasonable fear of her life. Yeah, and I, I in that situation, I would fear for my life. Yeah. You know, he knew he was violating the protection order. Um, he knew um, that he wasn't supposed to be there. And yet there he is. So it seems yeah. clear to me that by that act alone, he, he's not up to. Any, he's not there to check and see if she has everything she needs. He's <laughs> there with something bad in mind. Yeah. Right? And and now the if, other if thing she didn't was, demonstrate her seriousness. Hello, I have a gun. Uh-huh. Go away. Yeah. There's no now, telling what would have happened. 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. And um, let me see, I'm trying to go through some of these arguments that they had. Um, you know, I'm trying to bring up both sides here. I know, um, I respect you for that. <laughs> and, yeah, and that's a hard thing to do, Rita. I know. <laughs> okay. Now, uh, here they say that uh, the the prosecution said that um, she told she um, the husband came, accused her of infidelity, questioned right. whether he was the father of the children child she'd given birth to just a week earlier. So right. she's still in postpartum, you know. Yeah. And um, so she told him to leave, and then she locked herself in the bathroom. Yes. He broke through the door, yes. grabbed her by the neck, and shoved her to the floor. Yes. Now she ran to the garage. Garage door wouldn't open, so she got right. a gun from the glove compartment, went back into the house, and when Gray saw her, that's her husband, she said he charged, saying she was going, he was going to kill her, and that's when she fired the gun. And... It saved yeah. her life. I mean, he didn't kill her, did he? But then the prosecutors come in. And, uh, you know. Um, exactly. What's the argument in that situation? Yeah, I, that she, I, that as the mother of the weak old child provoked the uh, husband to violate his order of protection or he was entitled to violate his order of protection because he was over there to see the baby? I mean, come on. What was there? I know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, the, you know, I mean, clearly, if he grabbed her by the neck, she must have some evidence of that. I mean, even right. if there's not a visible bruise, they can use uh, ultraviolet light and see, you know, where right. the handprints are and all that kind of stuff. Um, now, the assistant state attorney general said that, um, yeah, this case arise, arouses passions in people, but the facts show that uh, Marissa Alexander engaged in criminal behavior. Okay, two judges yeah. and six jurors found that she this was not a stand your ground case. Right. Okay, and um, he of course tries to deflect, you know, the whole thing and saying that um, the the husband, Mr. Gray, had his two of his children with him when she fired the gun. Well, uh-huh. those children being on, present didn't stop him from, you know, coming after her. But the prosecutor is trying to, um, or the assistant state attorney is trying to deflect and says, whatever you think of this situation, the true victims of this incident are Gray's two children. Uh, well, uh, uh, wait a minute, three. There was the one, one week old baby, right? <laughs> Uh, that's right. That's it. <laughs> so, and so they can't even count, apparently. <laughs> well, I guess they figure the one week old doesn't count. You know, it hasn't started living yet. I don't know. I don't um, know. I don't yeah. know. It seems like a pretty scary incident, What at whatever age you are. Well, um, yeah. but And he didn't count, well, he didn't count the women and the years of abuse. I mean. Yep. No, that just, he glosses right over that. And by the way, I just tossed this in. Across the United States, and there may be exceptions, but in in nearly every jurisdiction, and maybe every jurisdiction, the leading cause of death of pregnant women, not related to their pregnancy, but just accidents and things, is homicide. We don't we, we don't know what happened during the pregnancy, but there must have been a lot because she got an order of protection. Yeah, she did. And now here's so I'm just where gonna things... add that pregnant women have reason to be apprehensive. Yeah, just from the fact that they're pregnant. Plus, you throw in the statistics about most women being uh, who are killed are killed by somebody they know. I mean, this is not a stranger. So she's she's living in a lot of risk factors there. Yes, and uh, women are at most risk to be mur- murdered shortly after they separate from the ex. Oh, yeah. yeah so let's absolutely. just say she had every reasonable, and I, you know, the, apparently the people down there can't count, but, <laughs> but we're up to three. Three extremely, if she, you know, knew this, but I think people know this intuitively, whether they studied domestic violence or not, they know that right after you leave, you're at risk. And uh, if you're a woman of color, you're at risk. And if you're, you are pregnant, or you're at risk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, if they don't know, they, as you said, they should know. 
um, because yeah. those are some pretty blatant statistics. Well, the law enforcement certainly should know. Well, the prosecutor's yeah. I mean, office, that's, well, right? But now, okay, here I go with the devil's advocate again, because she was, now she was originally released on bail. The, this incident took place in August of 2010. Right. Um, she was released on bail until her trial, but that was revoked in February of 2011 after she went to see Gray, even though she'd been ordered by a judge to stay away from him, and she was arrested for battery, which means, you know, <laughs> she hitting smacked people. him? Uh, well, I, they don't elaborate what that is, okay, what the battery yeah. is. Well, let's uh, but say I she smacked him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe, and, uh, yeah, she might have been seeking so she was, child support. Yeah, it could be. But nevertheless, she did have a, um, per, uh, an order to stay away from him. She violated right. that order. So then that's when she went to prison, okay? Yeah. And um, so she's been spending this time in prison. And then just this last September, on the 26th of September, she was, uh, well, I guess I'm missing something. Um, she was given her guilty charge. She went to trial. Right. The jury was given instructions that are um, have been challenged, and it took them 12 minutes for the jury to come back with a guilty guilty finding. Yeah. So then, in September of this year, um, she was granted a new trial. Right. Because of faulty jury instructions from the judge. Yeah. So she's still in jail, to the best of my knowledge. She hasn't had the retrial. I mean, that's going to be down the road somewhere. Um, so she's still resting in jail. Well, her baby is now uh, three years old. And, um, I, I, you know, that alone makes me cringe, you know, that she's missed, you know, these three years, that the baby has missed three years of his mom. Yeah. And I... And I don't know whether she's a good mother or not. I just don't know. You know. I mean, oh yeah, but you don't get it. You don't go to jail for not being an ideal mother. I mean, exactly. she may. In fact, we know that the actual mother is, by and large, the best mother. Yeah. With rare exception, right? We know that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and we know, also know that. Uh, anyway, this is all so disturbing because yeah. it's um, such an injustice. I mean, it's yeah. clearly because. Uh, across across the United States and certainly in Florida, men violate their orders of protection as her assailant was doing that very day, and oh, yeah. they don't get thrown in jail. They're yeah. like, oh, don't well, do that. Some, some, on rare occasions they do, yeah, um, but not very likely that that will happen. Right. Um, so you know, it's it, it's just so you know. I mean, sexism uh, is rampant here. There's also been the issue of racism. Um, right. You know, if she was a white woman in a suburb, you know, would she have been given the same treatment? And of course, all the prosecutors are saying, of course, of course, she would have. Um, and was so, she able to pay this lawyer? Well, I don't know. I actually have a copy of a letter from um, her lawyer. Did you see that when you were doing your no, research? No, I did. No, I didn't. Um, it was not. See, I got to shuffle through papers for this. This is this is really good radio when you can hear paper shuffling. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we know how to do it upright, don't we? Okay, paper, paper, paper. Yeah, here we go. Her lawyer is Bruce Zimmet, um, and he's in Fort Lauderdale, and he released a, a letter, or I guess it's a news release after September 26th when her retrial was granted. And he says uh, they issued an opinion, the court, da-da-da-da, uh, reversing Marissa Alexander's aggravated assault conviction and ordering that she be given a new trial. The appellate court determined that fundamental error was created in Marissa's trial when Marissa's jury received erroneous instructions shifting the burden of proof on self-defense to Marissa. So in other words, you know, she had, and that this is, this is not the way our legal system works. You're innocent until prove, proven guilty. And basically what the jury instructions did was say, no, she's guilty unless she can prove she's not. Um, Marissa was informed of the reversal of her convictions early this afternoon. She expressed gratitude for today's decision, as well as her continued confidence in the judicial system's ability to correct mistakes. Yeah, I bet she did. <laughs> Marissa also wanted to thank, thank those who have offered their support, da-da-da-da. 
and she expressed her desire to be back with her children and her family. Her case will be returned to the circuit court in Jacksonville. Judge James H. Daniel will set a date for her retrial, and her lead appellate attorneys, Faith Gay and Bruce Zimmett, will also lead the defense in her new trial. Yeah, and I they think have this is... Yeah. Um, so he issued a press release saying that, you know, yep, she's yeah. going to get a new trial based on uh, inaccurate jury instructions or faulty jury instructions, and um hasn't been set yet. Exactly. Well, my guess is what's happened um, is that at her trial, and I don't know, I would have to go back, but often this happens that if you're not a wealthy person, the your lawyers um, don't have the time or the resources to do a good job to defend you. Oh yeah, and and, yeah. <laughs> and, so, and I have, you know, God bless those few lawyers who do pro bono work and who do it based on you know. Because I'll right. tell you, I have a share of experience with attorneys, and you don't you you run out of money, and they drop you like a hot potato. Yes. So you know these appellate lawyers take try to fix what's broke. But mm-hmm. that, and they're so crucial. I mean, it just dem- demonstrates that they, they obviously they can't appeal and say this is an injustice, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. They right. have to come up with grounds. Mm-hmm. And so the common sense would say, excuse me, this is an injustice. She didn't hurt anybody. And, you know, the man was lunging at her. But yeah. so we don't know what happened on the trial level, but on the appellate level, they. They were able to just appeal on, as they call it, procedural grounds. Yes. And and now she has a chance. And, uh, you know, those procedural grounds are the only thing. You can't challenge the actual testimony. You can only challenge the procedures. Yeah. Well, and and my understanding, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, is that once that uh, a jury trial is a jury trial, that's a done yeah. deal unless they can find, as you said, some sort of um, uh, error in in the procedures that were carried out. Yes. Um, so that's what the and, appellate and court the is all about. F- and once, uh, as you know, I used to be a reporter for uh, the National Law Journal. And here's the standard of, uh, <laughs> explained to me, of um, adequate counsel. If your ah. lawyer, if your lawyer can blink once for yes and twice for no, he's good enough. <laughs> <laughs> that was <laughs> that was a lawyer who told me that joke. And <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, oh, yeah. Boy. so there um, you know within the profession there's a lot of discussion about whether people on you know charged with serious crimes uh she probably no one in the system could figure out why this was going forward right because uh, yeah. everybody was licensed gun she shot in the air and the guy was lunging at her yeah. um <laughs> well one of the so, reports i read that she would have gotten a lesser sentence if she'd killed him well, I, who knows, right? I mean, yeah. God, I guess, yeah. that just takes my breath away. You know, I, yeah. I would hope that that was not true, and we'll never know. But, yeah. but it, again, it's like, how is the, what, what's her legal representation and how is she judged? And as we were saying earlier, she was judged as an evil woman. Yeah. And yeah. chivalry did not come into play. And people argued yeah. that if she'd been white and middle class, chivalry would have come into play, but also resources would have come into play. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. so well, how do you and, sort all that out? Yeah, and, you know, like she thanked, in the press release anyway, she thanked her supporters. Um, she's got a crowdfunding uh, appeal going on uh, for uh, help with her, her new trial. And I looked at it, and they had raised $2,700 right now, which is not a heck of a lot of money. Um, no, that for... doesn't even pay for the transcript. She has to purchase the transcript so yeah. that she can appeal. Yeah. And in yeah. all fairness, you know, most lawyers can't afford to put the time and effort into something like this for for no money. You know, I mean, we all try to support right. our families. We all, you know, um, I, right. I mean, 
you know, I mean, I can't think of, of anybody who works consistently for free. Um, nope. It just doesn't work. So, nope. um, yeah, uh, I, I think that, you know, she's still got a long road to hoe ahead of her. I, I really do believe that. And mm-hmm. hopefully, um, hopefully this new trial will go better for her. But um, Well, hopefully she, her crowdfunding will pick up. What's, what's the... Uh, what, how do we find the crowdfunding site? Well, actually, I can look that up while we're talking, uh, if we want to give that out. I want to toss out our phone number again. It's 646-378-0430. That's 646-378-0430. Now, we talked about um, the sexism in this sentence. Right. Um, how about uh, the racism? Now, I read also in some of my research, I read uh, one person who said that, you know, if she had been white, she'd never be in jail right now, Um, and that this is just the opposite side of what George Zimmerman got for killing a a young black man, Um, that he was, you know, he, he, this is not necessarily my opinion, this is what I've read, that he was let go because he was a white man, although my understanding is that he's actually an Hispanic man, Um, and that uh, they, um, uh, you know, the the whole racism thing against women, or, you know, the whole racism, I can't do two things at once. I'll look up that article later. Um, <laughs> the, I'm oh, stumbling the, the here. The website, also, donate to Marissa. Well, yeah. um, yes, and so and it's the double whammy. Uh, and uh, I think that that's one of the things that, uh, women of color struggle with all the time. Are you being discriminated against because you're black or because you're female? And in reality, they're both, and they're both 24/7. They're not like some days a woman and some days a person of color, and it's different. So, yeah. as we were saying, um, the that women within the criminal justice system are often treated differently based on race. And those who are women of color are treated as the evil women, and they're, the book is thrown at them, right? And yeah. did um, you have a, a study that that compared uh, conviction rates for blacks I, and whites? I, I, I know. I just uh, looked up a paper oh, okay. that were, that made that uh, assumption. Um, and discussed it. I think there's a lot of uh, statistical data, but not too much. Uh, on the reality and 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 sorting it out by race and federal courts versus state courts because these are state courts and women may in fact the federal system may be more unfair or less unfair we all know that the the numbers of women going to jail are rising even though criminality "Quote unquote," within uh, among women has not changed. So there has something has changed, but is that because chivalry is no longer um, expected or operational, or or are women of color more likely to be sentenced to uh, prison, and as a result, they're 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 experiencing similar to what men of color experience. Yeah. So you got you know it's 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 very difficult and I don't know of any academic who has tried to sort this all out. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's um, but please phone in if you're listening. Yeah, <laughs> help us yeah, here. exactly. Tell us, tell us. You know, I spoke to so many people involved in this case. Uh, you know, in preparing for the show, and it's amazing to me how many people really are rooting for her. You know, they're out there, they're really trying to get her free. I don't think, uh, again, being on the West Coast, I don't think I have seen a single article about this in any of the um, West Coast papers, you know, I mean, uh, yeah. or blog sites or website pages. Yeah. I just haven't seen it. Now, yeah, you're on the it. East Coast, is that? Yeah, has, but, but you're North. Have you seen yeah. publicity about the situation? Just a little tiny bit. Not, I mean, not very much, and it certainly del- it deserves the the same outrage as the Zimmerman um, uh, created, right? The Zimmerman shooting of Trayvon Martin. And uh, you got to wonder, doesn't that, that 
that fits a trope, right, as expression of media in that it's a story that everybody understands, right? A white man kills a black man that's been going on for a long, long time, and uh, and there's an injustice there. Um, so we all understand that, but there's not this widespread understanding that women of color are at risk and if they take action, you know, at their own peril. Yeah, yeah. Now so it's like it just doesn't. It's just like well, we don't want. We don't know what that story is, or the the public isn't properly alarmed about injustices against women of color in the criminal justice system. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. got me. But there's a well, lot of news. Ed- there's a lot of news editors. You know, the AP Wire yeah. is the AP Wire. They all get it. So there's a lot of newswire editors or newspaper editors, radio editors, blogs that aren't don't think it's newsworthy and that's tragic yeah i think so too um but there again you know what what news is considered important you know yes. um and as a culture i i feel that we i always say we we do not let the pendulum swim swing in our culture we go straight from one side of an issue to way over to the other side in our reactions and uh there's no in between there's no um you know, sorting out stuff. Middle ground. Yeah, 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 middle yeah. middle ground stuff. We, we just don't even think about that stuff. We pick a case and we pick an issue and we work that to the ground and everybody jumps on board and then the rest of the cases are kind of like, oh, well, I'm busy. Um, <laughs> and I am busy. <laughs> yeah. But still. Yeah, exactly. And... Um, the I wanted to get back to the state attorney because when I was doing my research, she kind of ticked me off. Do you, did you read anything about this? State attorney yes. Angela Corey, who tried George Zimmerman and Alexander's cases, argued that um, that she that uh, um, Mar- Marissa's case did not fall under the state's stand your ground law. Now, if I'm not mistaken, that's what got um, George Zimmerman off is they yes. have that stand-your-ground law, where if you feel like yes. you're threatened, you're free to open fire. Right. And uh, she said that this case didn't didn't cover that. That, that was her first approach uh, at, with this case, was to try to use the stand-your-ground law uh, to get it dismissed. Right. But this state attorney, Angela Corey, said, no, no, this case, Mercer's case, doesn't fall under stand-your-ground. And um, they <laughs> they had protests outside the courthouse, and um, you know, based on this, I, to me, this is the meat of this story. I mean, once you get past the the, the sexism and the racism, you're left with a story of domestic violence and a yeah. woman trying to protect herself from domestic violence. Now, maybe she wasn't completely innocent and just a a little standby person. Maybe she, you know, whatever she did, it's it doesn't justify domestic violence. And this guy had a record of abusing not just her but other women as well. He was, uh, you know, he admitted abusing all five of the mothers of his children. Five, not just one, not just two, but five, and he admitted it. And what does this tell domestic violence survivors? She was trying to protect herself. She was trying to chase him away. And basically, she just got slapped down and said, "No, you can't. You can't protect yourself in this way. You know, other people can use stand your ground, but not you. But not you. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. Uh, when, uh, whenever I think about this case, I think about when I was being battered, and I did not have a gun permit, I, and I never thought of using a gun." Um, to warn him away, and it probably would have worked. Um, but I did have fantasies about murdering this guy, right, so that I would yeah. be safe and my children would be safe. And I had a whole plan because I thought, well, who would blame me? Right? <laughs> right? Yeah. And it turns out almost me? everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Now, see, I, I never. I mean, I just assumed I was young. I assumed that people would disapprove of a a man beating 
his wife and his children, and I had no idea it wasn't necessarily so. Yeah, exactly. Those are his children and his wife, okay? Yeah. Um, and I'm sort of glad I didn't kill him because it wouldn't have been on my conscience and it would have been awful if I if I if it would have hurt me. And now, uh, see, and I never dreamed of actually pulling the trigger on him, but I did pray for Mack Truck Suffocation. Right. <laughs> so we we all have these fantasies, and so what I mean is that she had the good judgment not to point at him, but to yeah. shoot in the air. Yep. God knows yep. what would have happened if she had pointed at him. Yeah. Even oh, wounded right. him. Well, right. like I said, I did run across that one article, and it said that she would have gotten a lesser sentence for manslaughter. Um, um, not murder, but she probably would have been prosecuted for murder. Yeah, but doesn't murder have to have some sort of plan involved? Um, not necessarily. You know, as we've just learned and focused on the last half hour, that the standards are pretty flexible. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And yeah, you, we'll you well, the woman in New York who I talked about, I mean, she was uh, accused of planning the murder because she went upstairs to get the gun. Well, I guess that would have been the case with this because she went out to yeah. the garage to get the gun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She planned yeah. to use the gun and then did. So, yeah. Um, yeah, there's no guarantee that she would have been charged with manslaughter. Yeah. Well, there's an organization in the Florida area. I actually spoke with several of these these uh, representatives from Sisterhood of Survivors, and you can find ah. them on online. SOS, probably. Yeah. Sisterhood of Survivors, and a representative from their organization said the justice system is not working. The message we're getting is that if you are a victim of domestic violence, you should just let the man beat and kill you. That's very disappointing. I think it's an accurate assessment of the message, but uh, I don't think any citizen of the United States should ever get that message, and in fact, no one on the planet. And it's almost like, what when she said that, it's almost like, uh, has anybody heard of the United Nations and the, their no, initiatives please. to reduce violence against women across the globe, and particularly in, in India, which we know has, has gotten a lot of headlines lately? Um, but, oh my God. I mean, I thought we were all on the same page, all the way from the United Nations down to the local police department. We all sort of agreed, and I feel like I'm quoting uh, Gail Collins, the columnist for the New York Times. You know, I thought, uh, you know, we're, we're all together on this one, aren't we? Aren't we all together on this one? That <laughs> well, apparently, some people apparently haven't not. gotten that. No. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's just uh, astounding, just astounding to me. Um, uh, I'm reading yeah. here. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I read that one about the prosecutor. Um, yeah, I think that the message for uh, women who are in domestic violence situations is pretty grim. You know, yeah, um, and I know that different parts of the country and different parts of of the world view things differently. Maybe if she'd been in a different county or a different state, the outcome would have been totally different. Um, but the fact is, well, that's the hell of it, right? Yeah, is yeah. that you could believe, and she got a different judge if there was a different prosecutor. Um, and I, I think every citizen would prefer to believe that fair is fair and justice is justice and the law is the law. And it yeah. shouldn't be so unpredictable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it just, to me, you know, look at all the lives this has ruined, you know. And the the kicker, the kicker in this whole thing is that uh been beat her and he was never charged with a crime. I know. Never charged That's with a crime. Right. That's assault and battery. She was accused of battery. Yeah. Now, it seems to me that if they're going to be that aggressive about a warning shot, shouldn't they be aggressive about people who actually lay hands on the other person? I, you know, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm very naive here, but to me, um, you know. Uh, now, again, in fairness, I'll play devil's advocate. The prosecutor said that she actually, the bullet hit the wall above the 
the children, bounced off the wall, which is hard for me to understand, and went into the ceiling and lodged into the ceiling. Um, okay. I mean, that must have been a pretty solid wall to deflect a bullet. Uh, I, I can't imagine, you know, plasterboard doing that, but that's what they said. Okay. Um, so their their contention was that she actually was shooting right at him or at the children, and it just deflected and bounced off into the ceiling, which, you know, to me, that defies logic, because if I was really going to shoot at him and the first one missed, I'd pull the trigger again and again and again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, I yeah. think that most people would. Um, you know, I mean, you hear situations where somebody's being attacked and they keep firing the gun until it's empty, you know, just because they're scared. Yeah. Um, so that, to me, defies logic. That sounds like a poor excuse to me. But well, then, but, but whatever, but she could hypothesize to the difference. I mean, it sounds like they get, well, that might have happened, right? She might have pointed it this way and it didn't work out. But they have no evidence of that. They're just like, I, well, excuse me? Yeah, I know. And um, supposedly, you know, I mean, this, I, I've never heard, I watch all the shows, and I have never heard of a bullet <laughs> being deflected by drywall. I mean, I just, <laughs> I, I, that just oh, well, maybe it meant, meant a metal stud in the wall or something, but whatever, nobody was hurt. She yep. filed a warning shot, and apparently it warned the guy, right, because he didn't stay around. Maybe he called 911. But he did. <laughs> he actually called 911 and said he was being attacked. Oh, that's right. Um, <laughs> that, his, so, that his ex-wife was, uh, or that his wife was trying to kill him. Um, so, and you know. so he set the narrative, right? Yep. That yep. was he. Yep. He was really cagey, so... They're rushing him with that. Oh, my! Uh, the woman has a gun and she's trying to kill me. And so he set the narrative, which was mm-hmm. um, well, fairly typical for abusers, right? Yeah. That oh, they, yeah. They're always the one. Is, yeah, uh, and they yeah. tend to be sociopaths. And people tend to believe them, right? So yeah. they tend to oh, be yeah. victims. Why are you scared to kill me? And yeah. they and they I tend to be believed. <laughs> You know, I had a um, uh, usually professional very associate once who um, found out that I was doing work with domestic violence issues, and he looked at me and he said, well, I've never told anybody this, but I was abused by my ex-wife. And yeah, I you- said, well, you know, that could be. Uh, my father was abused by my mother, so I know it can happen. However, the likelihood of it happening, pretty slim. Yeah. And it's usually retaliatory if it is. But what I said to this this associate was, you know, you know, the first thing I think of when I hear a man say that is that he is a perpetrator. Yeah. And that may not be very kind of me. It may be very judgmental of me. But the fact is, most of the men I have talked to, the overwhelming majority of men I've talked to who've claimed to be victims have, in fact, been the victimizers. So I think it's this sort of this self-pity thing. That um, that is sort of the red flag. It's like, yeah. well, I've yeah. been a victim yeah. too, flag. you know. And yeah. and I think it's a different tone of voice and a different method of delivering the information yep. that we hear when women confess mm-hmm. and then compared to when men claim. And so, I mean, and this guy may have been totally accurate. Yep, um, yep. Been, and, you know. and yeah, are there crazy women? Oh yeah, are there violent women? Yes. <laughs> I think I've ruined with a mean, couple of them. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We all know, like, oh my god. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but nevertheless, but, uh, the, the you know, I like to say the data doesn't support that. Just very like good. you know, yeah, the data doesn't support that. So. I'm very sorry that you had an unhappy experience, and it sounds like you know it's terrible, but you realize it's very unusual. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you know, I encourage you to build a men's shelter. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Well, that's a whole other show, you know. The, yeah. The men's shelters issue. Um, you had asked earlier about how people could support Marissa, and. Yes. Um, there is a friend of hers who is has organized a group called Insight, I N C I T E, 
women of color against violence. Okay? And uh-huh. there's also the Committee to Free Marissa Alexander. So if you Google those things, you'll come right up to uh, information about how you can um, uh, contribute, how you can find out more, yeah, how you can be helpful. And, uh, you know, it it's my hope that when we do shows like this, it helps other people realize how pre- prevalent these kinds of situations are, not just in your state, not just in other states, not just, you know, in a different part of the world, but, you know, here in the United States, and, it, uh, you know, and, and it's affecting women everywhere. And and you never know, right? Yeah. How vulnerable you are because if a different set of police officers had come, maybe they would have said, you know, come on, buddy. Right? She shot yeah. in the ceiling. And we have an order of protection. You shouldn't even be here in the first place. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Or you know, and the fact or whatever, and so it's it's all this discretionary stuff and bias, whether it's gender bias, race bias, gender and race bias, comes into play right at that moment, and it set the stage, and everybody went, you know, went down the the same road. I'm mixing my metaphors, but <laughs> 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 so the guy drew the map. Right when he called us, my wife is trying to kill me, and everybody followed the the guidelines that he he set down. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it, this that's is, what this beca- is, the story, and that's the story. Oh, she was trying to kill him. No, yeah, no, apparently yeah. not. Yeah, and we do believe, you know, we are. I mean, who was it that somebody much more famous than I who said, you know, uh, a lie becomes a truth if it's repeated enough? Exactly. And, so, you know, if you want to um, counteract some information with information of your own, whether it's true or whatever, um, you can just, you know, start web pages, you can start a media campaign, you can just, and if you get enough coverage for that, pretty soon people will believe it. Yeah. You know? um, and I'm not saying and, he was lying. He may have had a reason to believe that she was going to kill him because she was shooting a gun, so he had a reason well, yeah. to be afraid. But nevertheless, and it wasn't like he'd been a, a nice little pussycat with her his whole right? life, you know. She I mean, had reason, I said, right? She yeah. had cause. <laughs> but um, it doesn't work for me, right? Yeah. I and then again, you. you know, many an abuser is a sociopath and and believed immediately, and with the bias of the police officers coming in and. And you see a woman with a gun, he says, uh, well, she's trying to kill me. You know, it seems credible yeah. until you, you know, look up the order of protection. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it, to me, it's like, she, who did she hurt compared to who did he hurt? And, yes, she had a weapon. But that brings us to the other issue in this case, which is mandatory sentencing. Yes. Because she was found guilty of aggravated assault, that comes with a mandatory sentence in the state of Florida. Yes. So apparently her judge did not have discretion. Her judge couldn't look at this and say, well, yeah, she was guilty of aggravated assault, but it was there were circumstances. So we'll give her a year in jail, or we'll give her even five years yeah. in jail. And you know, why should she go to jail anyway? And that's when prosecutorial discretion comes to The prosecutor yeah. decides what to charge, and they know exactly what the outcome is, mm-hmm. right, if they have mandatory sentencing. They know. And yeah. that's that's why it's really the discretion is no longer in the judge's hands, but it's in the prosecutor's hands. And without mandatory sentencing, you have some, a judge who can make a, a decision that counterbalances or at least explores the prosecutor's position. But as it is now, the prosecutor has total control. And the prosecutor could have charged her with um, reckless disregard or, or, you know, whatever it is, making too loud of a noise. They could have, (laughs) if they wanted to charge her. Yeah. Well, and uh, we did a a story about a woman who'd been um, charged before uh, with a different uh, situation. And I was looking up the mandatory sentencing because that state did have mandatory sentencing. But 
they had ranges, mandatory ranges for sentencing. Right. Which makes a lot more sense to me than just saying, okay, this one gets 20 years, that one gets 10 years, you know. Um, they they had ranges for judges. Well, you know, that, I just, I'm just going to make a smart remark. And so I okay. hope the people of Florida forgive me. But they can't <laughs> count down there. At least the people in law enforcement. <laughs> All right, that's not true. That's not true. But you got to wonder, you know, you got to wonder what were they thinking that, I mean, I think in whatever religious um, organization you belong to, um, there's forgiveness. There's some people uh, do this, and and then other people do something that's much worse, like uh, Madoff. Not only did Bernie Madoff steal, right, but he stole from all of his friends. Isn't that worse than? Stealing less money and not, you know, from strangers. I don't know, but the, the people have to make decisions. Yeah. It's not yeah. black and white, and I guess we would all wish for a black and white world. It, it's not. We all yeah. know that it isn't. But it does seem to me that if there had been mm-hmm. some discretion, you know, a range from which this judge could have picked for a sentence. Okay, maybe he doesn't get total discretion. Maybe he's told, okay, for this. Uh, you know this this crime you can you know go between five years and six years or five years and ten years or ten years and twenty years um there's just no i mean it's like okay fill out section a and you get section b period the end um and that just i mean why do we even have judges if we're going to right the the prosecutor yeah right yeah then then we can just i mean they did go to law school too yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> in most cases, yeah. not in every case. <laughs> yeah. That's true. That is actually true. Yeah. Um, and that's like, I don't know if this has changed or not, but uh, several years ago I was talking to a friend and we found out that in this state, well, state of Washington, you didn't have to have a law degree to take the bar exam. And if you pass the bar exam, you got all your, your yeah. license, your law license. And and that's, by the way, that's an area that's expanding because there's not enough lawyers for the for people who need legal services. Are you kidding me? I'm not. You'll find it. It was in the news that there, the American Bar Association has recommended that there's different ways of becoming a lawyer other than spending three years in school and and whatever a hundred thousand dollars or whatever it is. Yeah. Well, in theory, I like that idea, but uh, not enough lawyers. <laughs> I mean, really? There's not enough lawyers out there? I, you know, okay. <laughs> Maybe there's well, not enough lawyers. Not enough lawyers to, to defend uh, black women uh, well who are accused of a crime. Yeah, maybe that's... Uh, I, that maybe, yeah, there may be a few, there may be enough corporate lawyers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. Because yeah. okay. I seem to yeah. think I remember reading a lot about that, and there was uh, a whole cartload of lawyers who are working in a variety <laughs> of situations where they probably never pictured themselves, um, like in storefronts and, you know, things like that. Um, because so I just so want to pitch our website, uh, if you don't oh, mind. Do. So, uh, yeah, go to our website uh, or just type in uh, Women's Z-News in Google and uh, Women in Prison is a key phrase. We've written some really fantastic pieces that really examine, and, you know, like every story, we haven't done enough, uh, but really examine the issues of how women in prison are treated and their experiences. And we just did a, a large series on transgenders in the immigration system, right? They're being held for deportation, and they're really at risk, you know, mm. for just things. Yeah. Well, well I read uh, Women's E-News regularly, as you know, because uh, the it gives me more of a worldview on what's happening uh, yes. with, with women out there in the world. And uh, even though I believe that we could we can stand a heck of a lot of improvement uh, here in the Western Hemisphere compared to some nations, we're, we're doing fine, um, which doesn't mean we need to sit on our haunches, but it does mean right. that we can keep things in perspective and not 
pretend that it's not happening everywhere, uh, as you mentioned, particularly India. So I suspect that um, if you were in India and you were Marissa Alexander, you probably wouldn't even be around anymore. Um, so I don't know. Anyway, Women's E-News is, is a, a tremendous resource. I recommend it highly if you have any interest whatsoever in women's issues because it is a tremendous resource. So Thank you. Now, the final thing that I wanted to talk about, because we are running out of time here, yes. is what about this woman's husband? How could they justify not bringing any charges against this man? What can I say? <laughs> I, I mean, how? I mean, you know, it, I would it takes your breath away. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like nothing. He violated a protection order. That alone should get him some charges. Yes. You know, I mean, not twenty years in jail, but some charges and nothing, absolutely nothing for this guy. So, like the other article that I was referring to earlier, what what does this teach us? This teaches domestic violence victims that they have to be darn careful about how they try to protect themselves, and it teaches abusers that, hey, you know, not so bad. I have, uh, you know, pretty much free reign here to do what I'd like. You? Um, I think that worldwide the expression is impunity, which is, you know, laws don't apply to you. And, have. Heather, I'm calling you on my other phone because this one is uh, acting up, so here I come. So, okay. But just t- talk for a minute about impunity. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, and impunity basically means, you know, I the rules don't apply to me. You know, um, you, you know I mean, we all know somebody for whom that, that philosophy works. And unfortunately, a lot of people who believe in that are not just free spirits. They're people who are... Of abusing the 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 uh, system. So, are you back? Nope, not back yet. Are you are you back, Rita? No. Uh, okay. Uh, there you my, are, Rita. Yes, here I am. Yeah, there we are. Um, I was just saying that we all know um, one of these people that believes that the rules do not apply to them, and sometimes they're just freewheeling, you know, kids at heart, blah blah blah, um, but. Most of the time, or a lot of the time, they are people who really um, don't have good intentions and fun times in mind when they violate the rules. They just really don't think that they have to abide by things that everyone else has to abide by. And by the way, I think that that's fairly typical of abusers. Yeah. And oh, yeah. And the system confirms that for them that they can live with impunity, that they can hurt five different families, and there are no consequences. It's really scary. It's like, oh, my God, right? Yeah, exactly. This, this, this erroneous belief that the rules don't apply to you um, actually is true. <laughs> You're not yeah. crazy. <laughs> well, and we've just seen that, haven't we? You know, yeah. we've just seen an abuser, uh, an admitted abuser, who got nothing, not even a slap on the wrist. You know, I, I, I just, that, that just, it befuddles me as much as, you know, the the whole situation with Marissa. It just befuddles yeah. me. Well, I had a difficult time uh, finding a quote for this segment. Um, they just don't have a lot of quotes about women who are in jail unjustly, um, I've yeah. discovered. So um, what I thought I would read is, um, just a, a general quote from Eldridge Cleaver. In prison, Uh-oh. those things withhold and denied to the prisoner become precisely what he wants most of all. So I think that the, we can safely assume that what Marissa wants most of all um, is to get out of there and see her children. I can't imagine um, see, having, giving birth to a baby and then, you know, before that baby's even a year old, being taken away and not being allowed to see not your even, baby and raise not your even baby. Not a month old, right? No, no. Oh. Um, uh, so anyway, again, um, join us next week. We'll tackle another topic about women's issues. And, Rita, always a pleasure to have you here. Again, yeah, check out you, Women's E-News. Yep. Thank you so much. 
Okay. And uh, we uh, read is just a wealth of information. Women's E-News, go to it. Check us out next week. You can remember, you can check out all of our shows on an archive at blogtalkradio.com. Three women, three ways. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Bye-bye. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.